We are shows what you know. We'll always watch TV. And if you think we can't, we'll watch more and you'll see. That's why the people of the web believe in Jim from Las Vegas and Jacob from Sweden. That's right. Welcome to Shows What You Know, your television podcast. And it's a glorious day. I'm feeling marvelous. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I got someone else on the line. Who's there? Oh, it is me, the marvelous Jim Scampoli. Yay. Uh, Yes, this is your television podcast where we break down all of your favorite and not so favorite television shows. Jacob, what are we talking about this week? This week we're talking about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I I want to say this is the Maisel cast, but there's a small part of me that also wants to say that we are just Maisel boys, uh, taking the Gilmore Girls gilmore boys concept and just i know it doesn't make sense and the people who did gilmore guys actually made uh something called the marvelous mrs mazel men or something like that but clearly it should just be called mazel guys or mazel boys uh what's your opinion the marvelous mr mazels that's pretty good too um Whatever we're calling it, I'm so excited about it because we've been waiting ever since the pilot. We've been so on board with this show, and I know we sometimes seem like cynical assholes, and that's why it's so great to get to talk about a show that I'm so excited about. And I almost think it's a shame that they dropped the whole season in one go because today we are discussing episodes one to four, and I would have been fine with doing one discussion every week about each of these episodes, but there's no way we can wait at this point. We just have to get through it and we just barely stopped ourselves at four um so we are doing a spoiler free discussion first just a small note and then getting into the details of the first four episodes are you on the same page as me jim yes i'm with you um now i uh, this is somewhat off topic but i have been hearing that amazon's thinking of doing away with their pilot idea where they like let people vote on it because, uh, I don't know, maybe people don't take part. Maybe the numbers just aren't there. But I think it's kind of a cool and interesting concept. And I think they should keep up with it because we got to see the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel pilot a bit early. And uh, we did dig it. So we've been anticipating this first season. Yeah, it's really an interesting thing that they do. But on the other hand, like last week, we just figured out, oh, shit, they're doing another pilot season right now. And we didn't even know. We didn't know. And we do a show about this shit. So I do understand if, like, the numbers aren't there. Because it does feel like they kind of decide what they want to green light beforehand anyway. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just my prejudice. But, like, Maisel, like, if you turn the sh- down the show after doing the pilot, it's like, what are you doing? Why would you ever do that? Although I guess people could say that about Oasis or their other shows, too, which uh, have not been made. So who knows? Yeah, it does feel like there's some shows where they're like, well, we're making this show no matter what. And then maybe there's a few where they're like, we're probably not going to make this unless there's an outpour of, you know, fan support or votes or what have you. But I don't know. What 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 is this show? What is this show, Jacob? Or do I mean question? hmm. This show is uh, it's about a housewife in the 50s who becomes uh, kind of accidentally becomes a stand-up comedian. And um, 
when 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 you first I re- I actually re-listened to our coverage of the pilot of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, which is in our Amazon top five, where we both listed it as the best Amazon pilot, and uh, we were like you were kind of uh, concerned going into it because you read the the summary and it's like is this woman you know it's all about jewish jokes or something i don't know um but seeing it that's so clearly what it is it's about a housewife who becomes a stand-up comedian because she's just naturally funny um that's the the purest shortest description i can give um do you want to get into more details of it of the plot yeah i mean basically the breakdown on dumb imdb is a housewife living comfortably in the 1950s changes everything to pursue a newly discovered talent um so yeah, I mean that's pretty pretty bare bones here. Uh, basically, I mean the main draw, like initially, for me was it's the new show from Amy Sherman Palladino, the uh, the the creator of Gilmore Girls, as you mentioned, like the Gilmore Guys podcast or the Maisel Men or whatever they are now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did try to look it up real quick, but I didn't see anything from Maisel Men. But no, they haven't done anything yet because they're not on the ball. They've already gotten their shine, and they don't care. We are the hungry. Uh, hungry, hungry, uh, come up people who actually need to be on this ball. And I'm so happy to be on this ball. It's so crazy to me that the Maisel subreddit has like 200 subscribers or something. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is one of the best new shows of this year. It's weird because uh, people, it's get, it's changing a bit. But people I don't think are on this Amazon bandwagon yet. Um, they are a little bit. I mean, the man of the high cap, man in the high castle. I haven't seen that, but I've heard people i've heard it's good i transparent i know is a pretty big show of theirs but i never really hear buzz on their other shows on like netflix people are so used to netflix uh just popping on and then hell here's a new show now i know i'm talking to you in sweden so this is a little out of your element yeah. but uh uh i don't know people need to get behind amazon because they're putting out some quality content on the movie side they're doing stuff but they're still doing traditional like theater releases, so you don't even think of it much as an Amazon thing. It really? just eventually, I, yeah. it eventually pops up on their service, but they do it more traditional with like theater releases on their yeah. uh, most of their movies. I but, I know you you like eat and breathe Amazon, but as you say, for me, I couldn't even order something from Amazon when I tried um during the Black Friday sale. I tried to order from the UK, and it just wouldn't let me order even though technically i should be able to they're still in the eu they haven't left yet i should be able to order but no it just wasn't possible so i know amazon is like this like for me it's so weird when i look it up and like oh yeah they own the united states more or less (laughs) yeah and i think a lot of people still even if they have amazon prime they don't even realize or use a lot of the prime video stuff that that it's there but anyways i don't want to get too into just amazon back to marvelous mrs Maisel. Uh, that's the other thing. Amy Sherman Palladino is like a genius and I love and respect her so much, but it feels like she can't name a show to save her life. Um, because even, well, like Bunheads, I watched like an episode or so that one didn't fully grab me. Um, it did have, uh, it did have Emily Gilmore in it as kind of a, uh, like a more free spirited Emily Gilmore type character. I'm sure it's pretty decent, but it's another one of those where you're like, hey, you got to check out this show, Bunheads, and everyone's like, yeah. Fuck you. Right. <laughs> Fuck off right away. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Gilmore Girls. Everyone, you say it, and everyone's like, 
what golden girls fuck you and that's it that's the end of the conversation and then you look at the dvd box art and it's all flowers and some some ladies and you're like what what is this when i talk to all my dude friends it doesn't work they they're not on board and you don't think she fixed that with the marvelous mrs mazel i mean when, when you watch the show the title makes complete sense and you're like hell yeah but it's another one of those when you're like Hey, have you heard of this new show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? And everyone's like, what? Is it like a Dr. Seuss, uh, <laughs> Dr. Seuss series that came out? Um, but it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's right in line. It's got that standard quality of an of a, of a Amy Sherman Palladino joint. It's got, you know, fast talking. It's got a lot of jokes. Um, but with, with uh, this show... I was really impressed with the filmmaking with like the these sweeping shots and the a lot of these one takes mm-hmm. like uh it's really impressive and and it's still like the same like she's directing the episodes and her husband's directing the episodes not that Gilmore Girls didn't have elements of that here and there like with their big town square and stuff but this feels like they really started flexing their uh like director like filmmaking chops well, what do you think yeah, I agree because Gilmore Girls, like it, it, it always kind of felt like it was shot on a set in a way. Uh, how like even when they did it well, it was like, yeah, this whole town we know it's like it was had a kind of cartoony quality to it almost of like larger than life this town and so the filmmaking went hand in hand with that i feel where it wasn't super complicated it was like the the focus was on the uh, the dialogue and the characters which as it should be but they didn't flex it um at all really in the show uh, actually and now it's like a, a punch in the face the look and the feel of the show. Um, like, I don't ever not believe that this is a period piece. Um, and that's saying something because other shows with maybe even a bigger budget will do, like, unnecessary, like, let's hang out on this street and show how everyone on this street is uh, fucking right, wearing the right clothes and everything. And they don't do anything unnecessary here, but just the look and feel and the colors, which are so grand, it all goes hand in hand with the concept and they definitely yeah the the oneers of the camera moving around and everything it, it works really well with what the show's uh trying to do in the story yeah it makes it feel kind of like classic in a way um or almost kind of like a musical in, in a yeah. weird way like with the way the camera moves um and i mean uh, especially like i'm sure we'll get more into it but um the open of episode four where we kind of get like a history of an apartment yeah and just the way everything gels and and some of the stuff i mean there's cuts but there's also a lot of uh, one shots too and some of it i was like how did they do that uh it's just like super impressive and it was weird because uh i didn't i don't really think of that when i think of uh like their shows and it doesn't detract from it but i thought it added a lot to this and especially because like you said it makes for some reason it makes it feel more in period uh like to, to the time frame i guess because you think of like these 50s movies and it's i don't know it gives it that classical feel where everything kind of gels really well 
Yeah. And like I said, maybe, you know, a show with a bigger budget does this and that, but it's not like the show has a small budget or anything. They clearly put a lot of money and work and effort into it, but I really like the choices they make with that money too. And of like, sometimes they just go to a location and it's like, they don't need to spend a lot of time there, but the world feels so broad and open because of how they they choose to set their scenes even if a, a lot of it is in her apartment and in the a comedy club and stuff some they go, go to like three different comedy clubs in one episode and they don't need to make it like a huge thing but they manage to make it all feel real um great job yeah and um maybe this isn't a fair comparison because I, I only watched the one episode but we discussed it like and it's not the same time period, but like a show like The Deuce, it felt like it was being really flashy with their like, look at 1970s, like check out the 70s, man. Yeah. And some of it felt like too like CGI or something, the way they have to like, you know, sh show a wide shot of Times Square and make it look all 1970s and dirty where this kind of has stuff like that, like. Like there's a point where they're in the park and everyone's in their clothing and the cars and stuff, but it doesn't feel, I don't know. It just feels more uh, organic, I guess. Yeah. And um, I was specifically thinking of the deuce, but I didn't want to talk any more oh. smack about it because literally the latest comment on our YouTube is these guys are morons. The writing is superb referring to referring to our deuce review. And we didn't even dislike the deuce. Yeah, um, we didn't say anything bad about the writing either. No, but <laughs> I guess we're morons because, you know, we compared it to the wire and everything. That's 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 about as bananas as comparing this to Gilmore Girls. Like we have to do that. You realize. Um, but anyway, yes. Um, uh, this show is very much up our alley in case you didn't get it. And by the way, you can always uh, leave a comment on our YouTube. It shows what you know if you want to interact with the show and we'll bring up your comments in our next discussion. We are doing another episode on the rest of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, of course. Um, so let's talk a bit about the plot then, uh, or not specifically, but I want to talk about how great it is to have a show that's comedic and also about comedy. Um because it's like we even though on shows which you know we haven't talked about that many purely just comedy shows because we're also into the narrative uh, and a lot of comedy shows just don't care about that throw the narrative out the window so either it's not good or either it's really good but there's not that much to talk about and this is just such a great balance between story and comedy which is you know i think the same in in uh Gilmore Girls, it's like a, a the best type of dramedy or whatever you want to call it, right? Yes, yeah, and I I, um, I didn't re-listen to our discussion, but I, it wasn't really known that it had to do with stand-up when we first watched the pilot, right? No, uh, because, well, you didn't know, and I, um, I didn't even know it was Amy Sherman Palladino, so it was like a blind test for me that I was like, I really like this show, even though I didn't know that she made other shows I like. Yeah, because it's surprising because, I mean, I would probably still I'd be in either way. I'd be in if it was just about these bickering Jewish families in uh, uh, like upside Manhattan, upstate, up city. Where are they? Uptown, <laughs> uptown, uptown yep. Manhattan. There's what I was looking for. Um, but it, it adds an extra layer because, I mean, obviously, we're both big fans of comedy and it's interesting to see and they play around a little bit because i mean lenny bruce is a character on the show uh so it does it is playing with like real new york comedy history 
But then, you know, there's all there's enough. There's a lot of stuff out there about like whether it be like podcasts and stuff going into the process. But it's nice to see it in a show. And then you have like a little extra separation because it's more historical piece of it. And you have the whole like, you know, a woman in, in quote, a man's world, like the, the, the you know, underground comedy scene uh, trying to come up. And you get to explore a lot of interesting things because you have your standard family drama. You have, you know, the, the standard breaking the glass ceiling. And then you have just the process of getting gigs, writing jokes, mining material from your life and how that is like therapy for you. Uh, it's like it's, it's such a like obvious thing to do, but it's hard to pull off and make it come off well, especially because if you're dealing with comedy, you kind of have to have have it be feasible that it'd be funny for an audience yeah. and usually stuff like that is where is where projects like this fail completely yeah and it, like these are exactly the type of writers we want to do exactly this type of show and it is rare uh because as you say it's hard to do it well and also to touch on what you were saying it would have been good even if it was just like drama about our life in the 50s and there wasn't such a strong plot hook um but i think we put our finger on it in our first discussion of like we assumed it's gonna be like okay she's gonna have her drama in her life and be very like under a lot of pressure and also like yeah the glass ceiling everything you talked about that's gonna put a lot of stuff on her and that's th this um comedy is gonna be her outlet so almost the climax of every episode is her standing at a mic and letting loose this raw energy that's building inside her because she's so funny and so good at what she does and she's been put in this place where she doesn't want to be or shouldn't be and uh it just has this inherent structure to it that's really nice and reminds you of like it could have been uh one of those stories where a character discovers oh i'm so great at basketball i never knew and then they get recruited and they learn to love the game and those usually have very strong you know stories because it's very clear where you're going with it um except here it's about stand-up comedy so it's even better because i don't care as much about basketball but i care about those stories because yeah. they're good stories but they took take that and apply it to something i really care about and instead of having like a match at the end you have a kick-ass set of comedy that is also funny for you as the viewer and works for the story so it's a really good show guys absolutely completely agree and and again like it's it's uh it's weird because watching it I wonder like if I would be like recommending to one of my friends if you know they would trust it as much in the beginning because I mean if if they don't already know Gilmore Girls and kind of the the tempo and like the rhythm of that show and how things come together uh cuz I I I know I could like sell it on the comedy side of like how how the how it's about building the 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 stand up and building routines and kind of just the grind of that, but it's weird because it just like kind of going back to the title thing, it's it's to the outside does it seem like oh that's not a show I would like, like yeah. oh it's just you know uh, a housewife dealing with you know the trials and tribulations of the late fifties, uh, I don't know maybe that's maybe that's what they mean when they say smash the patriarchy. Well, I mean it makes sense because. Um, I've seen shows like that that aren't good. Um, so, but I, I don't know. I don't know how, what else to like name it or market it. I mean, it's, it's true that it should have had like stand up comedy in like the subtitle in some way to like 
because you would get like 50% more viewers just if you made that more clear. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's going to be like a fucking slow burn that uh, everyone's going to get on it or what. I mean, I'm really glad that Amazon greenlit it for two seasons, which is bananas. They clearly have as much faith in it as we did from the start because they said, yeah, give us two, please. So yeah, they're in it for the long game. Uh, I just wonder if people are going to get on it or not. I really hope so. I, I agree. I think this show, uh, does, I mean, and we're only halfway through the season, we should say. It's not one of those where we're only discussing the first four episodes, but we've seen the whole season. Like Jacob said, at the top of the show, we like kind of forced ourselves to stop so we could just kind of focus on this and then we'll come back uh, in a later episode to discuss the rest. And we're already sold and on board. Um, and then, I, I mean, it's nice. I wish it was a little bit more than eight, even though I'm only four in. Maybe by the time I'm all done, I'm like, oh, that was the perfect amount of episodes. But just mm -hmm. because I'm liking it so much, I wish it was more like a, like a 10 or 12 uh, episode season. Uh, although I have read with um, Amy Sherman Palladino has said that she's done with networks. She's only dealing with these streaming services from now. She's not handling any of that network BS anymore. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, maybe that's, I mean, maybe it's, I, I guess we'll be able to evaluate it better after we've seen the rest of it, but could be greenlighting it for two seasons of eight episodes each. Maybe that just works better with how they want to produce it rather than making a 16 episode season or whatever, you know, because if they greenlit for one one season of 13 episodes, uh, this we always say that people should take their time. And I'm impressed at how fast they made this because the pilot was just in March or April or something like that. And it's not even the end of the year and they have such a high quality show already. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll be able to talk more about that uh, next time. This is uh, such a, this is a mandatory show, people. You need to watch this show. Agreed. This is a top tier show. I mean, so far, like this year for new shows, it's like this show and American Vandal are like must watch. Yeah. I can't really think of as far as new new off the top of my head. I mean, there was like Legion, but I could take it or leave it. There was uh what was that weird Tom Hardy show? Taboo. Could take well, it or leave it. <laughs> I we did leave it. We didn't never came back and did the rest of that one. So uh but enough, I don't want to sit here and point out bad stuff. Um yeah. I will say I what I enjoy too, uh I like because there's there's something typically I'm not on board with watching like a bunch of rich rich characters deal with bullshit or whatever. Yeah. And for whatever reason, uh, I keep saying her name. I'll say it again. Amy Sherman Palladino, because she does it in Gilmore Girls uh, with some, you know, some yuppie Connecticut grandparents. And they, she somehow made my cynical poor self love and uh like uh identify with them and it's the same thing here like you take these people that kind of have everything and so their their complaints seem like bullshit but it's very relatable and it works and i like how it works with with uh midge uh midge mazel or miriam mazel because she's so like our she's she's been in her like bubble for so long that she's discovering this world and it's like a joy to see 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's sort of discovering what it's like not to have all the money you need for everything as well, yeah. which is probably a good experience for her. And coming into contact with her manager, who also, by the way, does a great job. I mean, we can talk um, ad nauseum about the cast and, in general, how good everyone is. But Susie, uh, the manager, and Midge, they have a great uh, relationship where, obviously, she is from a, a different part of the world, even though they're from the same fucking city. Um, and uh, those things start to intersect and things start to go south. And we don't know what's going to happen. We're only four episodes in, but it certainly feels like she's moving uh, away from the sphere she's in and the conflicts that ensue from that are going to be fun. But you're right. We also come to like the characters, like her parents are so great uh, and his parents are so great. Those are basically the characters in the rich world and her uh, her housewife friend as well. I love. Um, and uh, uh, I love the back and forth with the the fathers, with uh, yeah. Abe and um, Moish. Moish. Mm-hmm. Kevin, it's Kevin Pollock and Tony Shalhoub, who are both great actors. And I love their back and forth uh, that they have where it's like, you know, it's the standard, like the in-laws don't like each other type deal. But, you know, hey, we're a family and we got to hold it together. And especially for the time period, it's not like, well, I'm getting into spoilers. I'm going to cut myself off. We'll get back to that when we get into spoilers. Yeah, I actually feel like we should start talking about details uh, to go through these episodes. And I think, you know, we'll talk more specifically about two, three, and four, uh, because we already did one to a large degree. Um, But I'll say if you want to keep listening, it's not going to ruin your enjoyment of the show, even if you haven't watched it yet. If you just want to hear us talk more about how much we love it before you get to it, I don't think it's going to ruin anything exactly. Um, But if you can, you know, go and watch the first four and then check back in. For sure. Now, um, if I play this clip of her, I'm going to play this clip to bridge into spoilers. I'm not even going to ask if it's spoilerish. I'm just going to say that she smoked weed and now she's going to introduce a jazz band. Uh, That's, yep. Okay. This is our spoiler break. Hi, everybody. Are you ready for some more music? Yeah. Yeah. So, first time in the jazz club, raise your hand. That's me. Wow, only virgin. <laughs> Losing my virginity to a bunch of jazz musicians. Every Jewish mother's worst nightmare. <laughs> anyway, I was outside talking to the guys, and Lindsay here whips out his <laughs> wallet. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? His penis? <laughs> I was already out. <laughs> and he pulled out a picture of his really cute baby, very adorable. And then somebody asked me if I had kids, and I said yes. And they asked to see a picture, and I realized I don't have one. I've got two kids, no picture. I've got everything else in the world in my purse. I've got a, look, a, a diner's club card, a compact, one, two, three lipsticks, three. Two lips, three lipsticks. Nail <laughs> polish, cigarettes, a corn pad, and a Kotex sanitary belt. It comes in white now, ladies, so rush right out. <laughs> I mean, if my kids got kidnapped and I had to describe them, I'd have to say, they look like kids. I, I don't know. The who's it's got a head? The other one's it got a head. <laughs> Anyone know this fucker, Doctor Spock? I had never read this. Not until my son started doing this really weird thing where I wake up and he's staring at me like he's planning things. And and I'm thinking, well, right now he's small. I can take it. But in a few years, <laughs> so I turn to the expert. 
And one of the things he says is, trust yourself. You know more than you think you do. Are you fucking kidding me? That's sage advice. You got this? Trust me. I don't got this. And now, now I'm thinking, A, I could have used the money I spent on this stupid book on a fourth lipstick. And B, what if I wasn't supposed to be a mother? What if I picked the wrong profession? If you're afraid of blood, you don't become a surgeon. If you don't like to fly, you don't join Pan Am. I, I can't change my mind and donate my kids to the library like I'm gonna do with this book. <laughs> God, I'm awful. <laughs> Women are supposed to be mothers. It's supposed to be natural. It comes with the tits, right? The equipment is pre-installed. So as you see, yeah, complete natural, third time on stage, just killing it with fucking amazing timing. Uh, but it, it's believable in the show because you see her in her daily life and she kind of has that same rhythm with her speech and she's quick and she's intelligent. She just didn't always get a great opportunity to use it. This is the spoiler section, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and maybe you, dear listener, heard that clip and you weren't laughing out loud, and I understand that, but like, please understand that this is the difference between just watching uh, a basketball game on the television machine and then having a whole fucking movie that leads you up to the point where the winning throw is going to be thrown. Uh, like, There's the whole narrative behind all this. Like, You see the kid when she wakes up and the kid is just staring at her and that's a thing through the episode and then we get to this point. So this is like payoff included in also good comedy. Um, so it's a really good blend. That's from episode three. Um, do you want to move back and talk about the first two episodes first? Yes, yes, yeah. Now, uh, I mean, we kind of went over the first episode uh, in our Amazon uh, Top 5 Pilots section. But, I mean, like, the basic breakdown is, you know, we get introduced to Midge Maisel. Uh, you know, we see kind of her history, her getting married and dealing with, you know, what the big thing is Yom, Yom Kippur, right? Getting ready for the big Yom Kippur dinner. Mm-hmm. Um and she's guiding her husband, like what she's doing to help her husband, because her husband is the one that's into stand up and he's doing open mics and she's helping basically get him gigs and taking notes and stuff. But then we find out what he's ripping off uh, Bob Newhart, like he's just taking his his whole bit, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. And his thing is what everybody steals like that's it's not that's a big what thing. everyone does when they start out. Which, as you said as well, like, that's probably what stupid people still think. Like, this guy's so clearly a schmuck um, through everything that we already know from the start that he doesn't deserve her. And um, throughout these episodes, he starts to realize that himself, which is good. Um, and she starts to realize that, obviously. Um, yes. and, and he, he, he does right. bomb his stand-up thing and then breaks up with her because of it and tells her he's been cheating on her and uh, goes to live with his secretary. So, yeah, great guy. He and he packs her suitcase and leaves with it. And uh, like, there's great moments like that. I mean, uh, the, the, there's a lot. There's a much talked about scene, which is really well done, where it shows how like they both lay down to go to sleep, and then she waits till he's asleep, and and then goes in the bathroom and does like her, you know, lotion, face mask, cr- uh, curls, and everything, so he doesn't see all the preparation that goes into being the perfect wife. And then she makes, so she goes to bed later than him, gets up earlier than him to then, you know, take the curls out, put her eyebrows in all that good stuff. And, you know, but to, to the husband, it's like, Oh no, it's my beautiful life. I'm just waking up to my beautiful life. It's just an effortless thing. 
Yeah, and she's been measuring herself, uh, like her her measurements every day or whatever for 10 years and writing down in a little book and she plans everything in her life and she's got the whole perfect life like in her mind of what's going to happen and then obviously this throws all that out the window which is the basis of her first uh, drunken stand-up routine where after she's dumped she goes down to this uh, place and kind of goes up on stage and like so this is what it's all about, huh? And then like get they're like what? And and she starts talking into the mic and as you say she has this natural rhythm to her which we see throughout the show which is why it makes sense that she's so good at it when she's up on the stage. Um and it ends with her getting arrested for flashing everyone and using vulgar language language in the first yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. Well actually we did talk about how the first episode uh the ending is kind of not really a mess but it's kind of like trying to do a lot of stuff at the same time because to go through the actual sequence of it she gets arrested uh Susie who becomes her manager bails her out and t- tries to convince her to do this thing uh, of becoming a stand up and then she i think she says like nope uh i got to get home or whatever and she goes to a taxi then she sees her little pink book and she's like hmm and then she goes to like a bunch of places and starts writing down jokes and stuff and then she goes back to the uh, police state uh, place and bails out Lenny Bruce and asks him if it's really good to do comedy. And he do- does this little answer and they have their little moment and then he goes away. And it felt like they were like pushing that moment in at the end, which didn't really fit, which I still, I, I don't think it ruins anything, but I still think so, especially because episode two starts with that moment. And then Lenny Bruce like comes back in. It's almost <laughs> got this feel of like back to the future too, of like, no, it's about your kids. They're like, we didn't know what we were going to do, but he yeah. comes back in and, um, yeah, so then it turns out she finds out she's going to go to court too. And then that's like another turning point because then when Susie shows up to see her, she's again saying that she's not going to do stand-up. So she kind of refuses the call two times. And then yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. We get, it, it's, it's a common thing we've brought up before. For whatever reason, um, second episodes of shows, like I'm talking like literally the second episode of the first season, it's almost always the pilot again. I don't know if that's just because writers typically have distance where it's kind of like they've made this thing a year ago and then finally that someone is like, let's do this. And then they just decide to kind of redo it in the second episode. But it seems to be such a common thing. But yes, we see our hero refuse the call uh, as we kind of build up to another moment. Yeah. Uh, that's that is a good point because the second episode also ends with her having enough of her life and going to do stand up as an outlet. Uh, I think overall, I mean, it works. It, 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 there's nothing really bad about it, uh, but it is kind of noticeable. You know, it's not to the detriment of the story, but they make her wishy washy to the degree that it's hard to track her motivation rather than to the degree that it's like a difficult choice she's making um, because she she already decided once to do it. And then gave up again and decided, like, yeah, well, because it starts with her going to the cafe where they ate after their wedding. And we get sort of interspersed flashbacks. And that's a nice touch of how he heads into the bathroom and then the camera still goes over to her uh, in the present, so to speak. So that's a nice little scene. And then we get the the weird exercise place, uh, which is really great as well. It totally looks like something... Uh, where if someone knew nothing about fitness, they would just assume this would be like, oh, this is how you work your legs, and this is how you do. It's it's like hilarious, and I have to imagine how, like, the, all, while doing all that 
the these like insane aerobic things they came up with or i'm sure maybe even they found some old footage and it's like legit late 50s aerobics but doing that but then they're also doing this great back and forth her and her friend like i can only imagine like nailing some of this dialogue and then still working in these insane aerobic uh movements and i mean i guess it makes sense because this is where we also see that that uh midge kind of realizes the enormity of like being a divorcee because she because she gets pointed out to the heavy breathers who are working those are the divorced women who are working really hard because it's like oh my god my life's almost over i need to get another man what am i gonna do yeah she she sees the corner and realizes she doesn't want to go to the corner where all the unmarried women are the divorcees um so i guess that is her motivation for then susie shows up in her apartment and have a great scene uh, where they walk through to the downstairs or upstairs. I can't keep track of which is which, but they go to the other apartment to get their kids and she's just talking constantly. And it's such an Gilmore girls type feeling to that whole scene. Um, But yeah, that does end with her again saying like, no, I'm not doing this. Well, it's great too. I believe the parents are upstairs, but I'm not hundred percent either. Um, it's great too because someone else pointed this out, I think, in a tweet or something. Um, but I thought it was a good uh, call out because they do live in this huge apartment in New York, but it, everyone, it's totally normal to everyone. So it's great when Susie shows up because she's like, holy shit, what is this palace? And now yes. we're in another one? What is going on? Like, <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, Susie's played by. Uh, Alex Borstein, who does, she's like the mom on Family Guy, right? She does the voice, mm-hmm. I believe. And she was like the harp player in Gilmore Girls because she was originally supposed to be, if I'm not mistaken, she was originally supposed to be um, Suki on Gilmore Girls, but the network was like, no. Yeah. But she's great. So finally, she gets her time to shine. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, by the way, I mean, that scene of her coming in like, what the hell? That should have been in Friends and like almost every sitcom as well. <laughs> Where they are, there's no explanation here. It's actually part of the plot. Um, so yeah, they have a they, that's a great moment for them. And um, uh, one thing with the... I, I, I like the flashbacks um, because even though, like we said, Joel is a schmuck and we know like he doesn't understand how good he has it. But I feel like they do a good job of making him seem not like a complete villain because it'd be, it'd be very easy to just make him a villainous character. And there are definitely moments that do also make him villainous. But I like seeing that there was like some realness there. Yeah. And in a weird way, like even though Joel's the asshole that fucked everything up, there's still that question of like, well, maybe... You know, maybe Midge doesn't want this either. Maybe this is just something they were both pushed into. Or maybe they're meant to be. Who knows? I don't know. I just like that it's a little bit more complicated than just a simple, like, oh, this fucking dumbass guy always being a dumbass. Well, I haven't. Maybe uh, if I know these writers, I'm probably going to grow to love him, that motherfucker, over time. Right now, I'm not on board, but I can see it happening. Uh, In this episode, he does go to see his dad uh, in this great set where he runs a a dressmaking place or a suit-making place. Uh, I don't know what that's called, but they are there. Uh, And we meet his dad, such a great character. Um, as you said earlier, and we also get the other side of the parents. We see his father teaching his mathematics class, 
another fantastic scene where he uh, goes on a tangent about tangents and draws on this board and like uh you gotta watch it i i almost wish we had that clip pulled up but no we don't we we don't need to um it's fine but it's a great scene anyway um it is a great scene and to his father, he says, no, it's, there's no other woman or anything. And his father's like, hmm, okay. Uh, and he replaces his secretary just as a little test. And yeah, of course, he did the most obvious thing ever where he started being with his secretary instead. What an idiot, a shorthand girl, as they say it in the show. Um, so that's what's going on there. That, I mean, everything's building up to this dinner scene that takes up a lot of the episode. Yeah, and Midge's mom is going to see a psychic who like makes her read she's like you have to drink this tea really quick and then she's reading from the tea leaves and it's oh everything's gonna be just fine don't worry everything's gonna work out uh will that be cash or check like uh it's it's so great because it's just yeah just a it's i mean and they show it uh like midge's mom is just kind of what midge was trying to be because we even see that she does the exact same routine where yeah when her husband goes to sleep, she gets up and makes herself perfect and what have you. But she doesn't have she didn't end up going that other route of having some other outlet. So she's just a rich old Jewish lady that goes to see a psychic when anything gets a little hard. Yeah. <laughs> just to make sure just so she'll tell her that everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, which is also good because we see, oh, that's where we don't want Midge to end up. Correct. Um, so this Thursday dinner, it's like it's honestly feels like a Gilmore Girls Friday night dinner, but on hard mode because you have twice the parents and they do not love each other deep down like they do on Gilmore Girls. So it's just a big catastrophe uh, in in the perfect sort of way that they they put this together, and everything does end when we find out that uh, guess what his uh, uh, Joel's father actually owns the apartment you live in. So uh, bye bye bye. Yeah, he's he's going to make an example for Joel, but that means that, you know, basically Midge is collateral damage because he's taking the apartment, putting it back on the market. And yeah, it's such a great like nobody minds better family drama, especially around a dinner table than the fucking Amy Sherman Palladino and Daniel Palladino, the creators of Gil well, the creator of Gilmore Girls and her husband. I'm not yes. going to give him any type of credit undeserved. Uh, yeah, because even like Joel's mom is just kind of a weird, melodramatic like fool. She's and she's hiding food in the freezer that she can eat. Well, <laughs> like we hid food in the freezer last time she was there, and she's like trying to do everything and cook something, and like, oh, this is salty, and like, why didn't you ask me to bring something? We don't want you to bring anything, and she like starts cooking and brought spice in her purse. And then um, uh, Joel's dad, uh, uh, Moish, or Moish, I don't know. Yeah. He's always bringing up the 13, the 13 Jews that he saved in World War II. He brought him back to work in his, uh, his factory. And then it's great because Abe, Midge's dad, is just like, oh, the th I hate the story of the 13. I swear he has them as slaves in his factory. They're never happy. I doubt he pays them anything. I've uh, seen the look in one of their eyes. I swear he, he, he thinks he, he would have had a better chance in Germany. <laughs> and then Abe, great, because he always thinks he can like hide the drama because he does it twice in this episode. First, he goes up to Joel, uh, Midge's you know, husband or strange husband now, and he's like, let me see you in the bedroom. And then you know he has a great thing about how uh, he wants to throw him out the window, but he, he'd have to do it. Oh, yeah, so they are upstairs because he's like, I'd rather do it upstairs in my apartment yeah. because then I want to be sure. 
And then he has to do it to his wife and his daughter. Like, let me see you in the bedroom. And like thinking that he's keeping it all on the low when clearly everyone knows that there's big arguments happening, lots of drama, nothing's yeah. from anyone. Yeah. So it all goes south. Uh, turns out uh, her husband, uh, Joel, doesn't even own their apartment like he's supposed to. And she realizes like everything was a lie, not just uh, about our relationship and, and you wanting to do comedy or whatever. It's all bullshit. All of this is shit. And um, she goes again and does a slightly less drunk stand-up set about it and about how did she get so stupid and she quotes the russian and talks about how women are uh, pressed down basically and she says a few cusses which is apparently enough for her to get arrested again uh and there's a great button to the whole episode where she gets arrested someone takes a picture and susie's like uh rips the film out like we charge for pictures now um So that's great. I mean, even though they do kind of do the first episode again, uh, it's such a good episode that I definitely don't mind. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and then uh, basically episode three, we pick up again. Oh, and this is the one where we it starts out where she's in like the, the jail, right? And there's uh, uh, like the two ladies behind her talking and one of them like stabbed uh, her husband or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Blood all over her. And then Midge gives her some good advice on getting the, the blood stains out. And they're like, you should listen to her. Look how she's dressed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you would know. Yeah. And this time she gets bailed out by Lenny Bruce instead. And uh, after that, they meet up with Susie and we get to see her starstruck for the first time because Susie's been so cool and collected in the first two episodes, kind of. And now uh, we see her get kind of adorable when she's faced with people in in that she admire and uh yeah so th- that whole introduction interaction is really great well quick question and i mean i i guess it's kind of obvious but are they they're not going to play out like a romantic subplot with lenny bruce right i kind of mm-hmm. don't want that to happen yeah no i don't think so because in uh this third episode they do have that moment where she's getting in the cab and yeah. he's being nice to her. And then afterwards, he's like, when, when he, she's driving away, he's like, wait, should I have made a pass at you? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. And that like feels that like them saying that's like, we're not going down that route. I hope so. I think it was another review I read where they kind of mentioned the inevitable. And I was like, oh, I hope that's not because because I did. I, I'm with you. I read it more as them kind of trying to shut that down. And I would prefer where it's just more weird, like mentor, you know, pupil relationship. But I just wonder, can they help themselves? Can they help themselves not trying to make a, I, they even I mean, in the beginning, they did go out of the way to show that he's married and stuff like that. But then again, are they going to mind that drama of like, would Midge play the other woman after what she's been through uh, i don't know i don't think so but i guess you know we'll see i lenny bruce is really interesting i don't really know uh, i didn't really know that much about him and i guess i still don't but i was on his uh wikipedia article reading a bit about like i went to like legal troubles uh this legal troubles a hefty section of his wikipedia where obviously his big thing he's known for in part is uh the obscenity that he's been you know he was on trial for and kind of became a landmark case in uh in like free speech and stuff but i want to say that the first sentence on his legal ish troubles page is uh, bruce's desire to end his wife's stripper days led him to pursue schemes that were designed to make as much money as possible oh, and 
The most notable was the Brother Matthias Foundation scam, which resulted in Bruce's arrest in Miami in 51 for impersonating a priest. <laughs> he had solic <laughs> been soliciting uh, donations for a oh. leprechaunity colony in uh, British Gu Guinea under the auspices of the Brother Matthias Foundation, which he had legally chartered, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to read about his uh, obscenity charges. And he's like, well, this time he impersonated a priest and uh, tried to get his wife to stop uh, stripping, so he had to earn a lot of money. So it feels like they can't go down that route without like a whole can of worms that uh it doesn't f like you can have a historical character in here but if you start having them make out with your character that you made up then you're in like abraham lincoln vampire hunter uh territories and i don't think they do that yeah i i i just i didn't read it e as it was a thing but then i just i did see a couple mentions of it i don't know if there dare i say there are some shippers out there of uh <laughs> midge and lenny bruce which would yeah. be well, Maisel, you can't use the Maisel name because that's technically Joel's last name. Um, uh, well, Jim, I, I did make an executive decision that we're saving the ship talk for our next episode because I have not had time. We're supposed to think of them beforehand, and this is a right. hole we don't have time to go into right now. Put a, put a pin in that. I, I, I like what you did right there. But either way, I'm just I'm for them not going down that path. I didn't think that was a thing they were doing. I just saw a couple mentions of it. I'm just saying now I hope they don't. Uh, so there we go. I'm fine with them teasing it. I'm sure they'll tease sure. it, but I don't yeah. think it's going to be like a main thing because their bromance is so great. And the clip we played, that is where sh he gets to see her perform for the first time. And the whole sequence is great uh, because, well, I I'll step back just for a moment because they they're also in this episode, she goes to see this lawyer and we have all of that going on where she goes to court uh, herself and then lashes out and is found in contempt of court. So she has to ask Joel for $200. And this is where we see that maybe he's not the worst because at least he agrees to give her that for, for nothing, basically, for and her not even saying what it's for. Um, so, so that all happens beforehand. But then when she does go to see Lenny Bruce's set, uh, she smokes this jazz cigarette with the jazz band and then goes in to introduce them like, oh, I could do the introduction. And they're like, what the hell is she doing, man? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Uh, and she does this whole thing, and Lenny's just there stunned because even though he, I guess he well he knew she did stand up, but she, he actually sees it now. And uh, I mean, it's so satisfying to see people impressed by Midge because she's the protagonist, which means we are Midge. So yeah, yeah. and then like it's a small thing, but just him like laughing at like her jokes, and you're like, yeah, like. <laughs> It's like a big, it's like a big fucking deal. You know, she made Lenny Bruce laugh. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so also in this episode, uh, her father uh, goes to his father to strike this 50-50 deal for the apartment. I love this scene. I love this scene because I loved how Kevin Pollack plays it. Like it's so passive aggressive where he's kind of like, He's like, Abe, you come see me at my work. Oh, this is so great. And he keeps trying to give him a suit. He's trying to give him clothes. And uh, the th he knows. Um, well, no, first he brings up the, the what was it, the church seats, which Abe oh, yeah. wore, but he was supposed to pay him back, but he never did. And then well, when yeah, and he, he's like, OK, well, split it, eh? just like the church seats. And he's like, <laughs> I love yeah, that. just like the church seats. <laughs> Because he has to basically come hat in hand because he's trying to keep you know hold it together because the the parents they to them no this is just uh 
this is just a small little, you know, off ramp. We're going to everything's going to be back to normal soon. We just got to wait this out. They're kids. They're dumb. And, you know, the way things change, it's it's again, it's like to us now, it's crazy to stay in a weird marriage like that just because and it was only just becoming more of a thing to kind of go out on your own. So to their parents from even like further back, it's completely outrageous what's happening. Uh, so I really liked that. And I, I loved their back and forth. It was so great. Yeah. And he gets to say like, I don't know. I get the feel. I always get the feeling that you don't like me. Like you never, like when I bring up the 13, you never seem that interested. <laughs> Uh, and then he eventually uh, get, gives him something to give his wife as a present, and then he pays for it, and he's like, yeah. everything. Yeah. He won't accept the money. He's like, ah, oh, your money's no good here. No way, no way. And then Abe leaves it on the counter, and I, they, I love the camera hangs a moment as he's like, I mean, it's it's a weird like Jewish joke in a way, but it's not like being spirited, But because he's like, looks at the money for a second, kind of like taps it, then he just takes it, and it's like, all right, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, we also see Susie making contact with her higher up comic manager pal, but the only really important scene is at the end where Joel is there when Midge comes home from this third stand-up set and she says, um, well, he asks to come back or doesn't really ask. He says, he's going to come back. And she says, no. And he says, why not? And she says, because you left, which is the title of the episode. Um, so like they, there's maybe only eight episodes, but that's, I mean, these characters, man, <laughs> they yeah. go places. Things happen. Yeah, yeah, I like the way it plays out because it kind of cuts, and it's it's you, you kind of understand it because she comes upstairs alone, but then her dad's waiting for her, and they kind of have the discussion about what happened, and then it cuts back to her response, and it's kind of like Abe is seeing that. Okay, wait, maybe things are for real. And maybe there is no going back. There is no, you know, there'll be back in the apartment. Yeah. Uh, So I liked how that all played out. Remind me if we had another clip to play. Uh, What was that off? Is that an appropriate time to play that before we get into episode four, the final one? I do have another clip we could play. It's actually from episode four. Uh, I don't know if you want to play it when we get to the moment or we could just talk about it after it plays. Mm, I'd like to hear it. Okay, well, let me just say first off, we mentioned it kind of in the non-spoiler section. Uh, I love the open to this episode because we're seeing Joel and Midge when they kind of find the apartment and we see moments from their life like having the kids and and it's all like happy, genuine moments and it's intercut with them moving in with them moving out and the movers going through. And I love like that last shot where like, the camera comes in on a New Year's Eve party and then we get the countdown for like what 1958 or whatever it is. And then when the camera swoops around mid, she's still looking at the painting and then it's an empty apartment. It's all it's like simple stuff, but it's really effective. And uh, I get that kind of ties in with this clip here. The clip is. um Midge, uh, uh, Joel wants to spend some time with their son, Ethan. And oh, yeah. uh, Midge gets hung up, so she instead of meeting at her place, she decides she's going to go check out his new place, 
which apparently yeah. is just still in a nice rich neighborhood like a couple blocks away so. yeah because to, to build it up they i mean the whole thing in episode one was i'm gonna leave to pursue my comedy career i i he was the one who always wanted to move in in the more poor hip area and she was the one who was tied to this upper class world and he go yeah she goes to uh, uh, his new place which is a bit like the old place and especially coming off of what we were just talking about at the end of episode three, where, I mean, maybe they, they kind of tricked me or I thought maybe Joel realized the error of his ways, but then we just drop in on Joel being a fucking dumb schmuck. Like, he really can't handle any type of failure or rejection. He has to then run away. But anyways, here we go. Well, I mean, that's the thing that he uh, wanted to get back to her and she said no. And he's like, well, I'll make a new you uh, yeah. budget version, I guess. Exactly. So let's see the new digs. Huh. Interesting. Hiya. I was worried. I should have called. Hey, pal. It's great. It's great. I did call. Talk to your secretary. Better watch that one. You know secretaries. Okay, so I'm glad you're okay. Thank you for dropping them off. You are welcome. Hey. Ducks. So, your apartment. It's nice. It's really nice. Thank you. In fact, it looks an awful lot like our place. What? The building, the hallway, the old man in the elevator. Mitch. Isn't that the couch I wanted to buy that you said was too deep? I don't remember what couch you... It was funny. I thought I'd find you squatting in some downtown smoke-filled atelier, not two blocks away, living the Methodist version of our life. With the Methodist version of me. Does she have an on switch? Ethan's good now. You can go if you want. No, he was throwing up earlier. I figured I should stay around a minute and make sure he's not going to blow again. What? You know what's funny? I don't have my apartment anymore. You have my apartment. You have a lot of my things, actually. You're welcome. Dinner? Yes. What? Pot roast? The Methodist version of brisket. Can we discuss this some other time, please? Where's he going? Where's he going? Boy, do you know how to make an entrance. So is this what you were missing? Joel? Pot roast and Santa Claus? I don't want to talk about this here. Should we get lunch somewhere? Is there a mayonnaise and Wonder Bread Cafe opening up somewhere we could try? I was going to come pick him up. I was going to come to you so that you wouldn't have to come here. You are a prince, a real prince. I hope Penny knows what a prince you are. I don't understand you, Midge. You don't understand me? 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 I said I'd come back, remember? Oh, boy. I came to you and I said, <laughs> let's try again. You said no. Oh, no, uh-uh. You don't get to rewrite this. You're the one who left, not me. I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. Stamp it, ship it. That's all she wrote, folks. Fine. When are you coming to get your thing? Yeah, there we go. I mean, I, I'm getting caught up. I'm, like, sitting here trying to watch the scene. It's yeah. so great. And again, like, I don't think the whole thing's a, a, a wonder, but a good part of it is, you know, like just just the actors playing it off like like a play or something, and the cameras just moving around them. So a lot of great stuff. Yeah, the actors are doing it like a play, and often once you say something's like a play, it's like let's lock the fucking camera on this tripod and we just watch him do it. And here the camera is involved; it's like a third or a fourth person, depending on how how many of these people you count as characters, uh, moving around and and going with you and and like be 
like the the cinematic language of what they choose to show becomes part of it uh, in a great way. Um, so that's a great scene, and it becomes even more powerful because the whole thing in this episode is that she has to move in with her parents, which offers much hilarity and uh, opportunity for character development as well. Because of course, as we all do among our, uh, when we're around our parents, she regresses and they regress, and everyone acts like she's fucking fourteen years old or something. Yes. Yeah. And. Uh... A lot of it surrounds getting another TV for her, like that she can keep in her room, so Ethan can watch uh, Howdy Doody and she can watch Jack Parr. But to Abe, it's like that's kind of giving in, giving in, uh, because he likes to have his reading time. He wants silence, but he doesn't want to make it seem like this is like a permanent thing. But then he has to kind of do it because Midge's mom still doesn't realize kind of that things are, things are basically done. But Abe yeah. kind of has that understanding. And rather than explain that to his wife, he gives in for a little while getting that TV, but then he puts his foot down again. Not, no second TV. Well, he gives in because she says, um, you know, it's, it'll all be over in a few months, and then Joel is going to come back, and it's all going to be okay. And he, like draws in a breath to tell her that that's not happening and instead says okay we'll get the tv like because he doesn't want to break her hopes like his hopes have been uh, broken there and we also get a great repetition um of her mother doing the same thing as midge does of, of after he goes to sleep she goes and does her whole routine um which again is a great mirroring of their two characters and uh, there's a there's a lot of great stuff in this episode uh, around like Susie takes uh, takes Midge to, you know, like a like a record store. And then they go down in the basement where like the, the super nerds are that collect everything to look at comedy records. And uh, there's there's some great stuff where, you know, Midge is listening to like an old Red Fox album. And then also her and Susie are going to comedy clubs to kind of watch comedians and pick up what works well and how to play to the crowd like it's pretty it's pretty deep stuff for like that you wouldn't really expect like they really are trying to get into uh you know comedy stuff and and what it takes and 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 what it what goes along with that so i really enjoyed all that stuff yeah this episode is her research and improving herself and here's the thing about the first episode that they they almost try to cram that in in five minutes at the end as a montage. And I, I mean, I don't blame them for doing that, as we said, but this is them actually doing the groundwork of her learning about comedy because she has his raw talent previously. Now she's committed for real. She's refused the call a couple of times and now she's on board. So now she goes to this, uh, as, as you said, first to the, the music store and in the basement, they have this weird library of everything ever recorded. Uh, these nerds that just hang out and listen to things. And she buys a rare record of a, of a comedy set that she's listening to on the floor at home, uh, like a 14 year old kid again, when her mom bursts in like, what are you listening to? Nothing. Um, so we have that, but then also them going to three different comedy, uh, like performance venues seeing three different types of comedy and like having that all expressed within the show uh it's like you say it really goes pretty deep into it rather than just ah she's great at making them laugh you know it actually goes into her learning about how stuff works yeah, and going to the alt comedy room was great and it, it yeah. even had like a great bit where uh a ventriloquist guy comes up but he's talking about how his dummy just died before the performance 
and he's like doing the bit, but he's being sad that the dummy can't respond, and they're loving it. Like, uh, it was such a great moment. I really, I really like that. Yeah, and I thought they were gonna hammer home that you know they're at the, the alt place where they're laughing really hard and no one else is laughing, and then they go to the middle place where it's like, oh, you know, this is all right. And that I thought they were gonna go to the even upper class, and it's gonna be worse, like some sort of point of mainstream comedy of the more people are laughing the the less funny it actually is something like that but when they get to the the last place it's actually a comedy legend that they also like so they don't quite do it that way but it's really nice way of showing the nuance that ventriloquist bit is such a good bit that would work today uh of the of the dummy being dead and him trying to go through the act of like and then he would say this and but it's a ventriloquist dummy it's really good um and then in the middle one it's more run-of-the-mill standard comedy and then the last one seems like it's mostly there for her to project herself and see where she wants to end up because she literally sees herself in a fantasy stand standing there getting all that applause um for herself Oh yes, at the Copa. the the only uh, the only like criticism I have, um, I guess, kind of of all these episodes. It's in this episode, episode four, because there's a point where she takes Ethan to the park and stumbles upon like a protest, and I was fine with all of that. But then when they ask her to come up and speak, it felt like a Forrest Gump type thing, yeah. where I'm like, oh no, like because she like I liked that they were playing up that Midge didn't. Midge is like, I guess, lack of a better description, she's privileged, so she didn't understand like some of the stuff that was going on. Like they're trying to build roads through the park, but you know, they put together this protest and it was like female run, there's a lot of women, and they were kind of they won. They like basically stopped it. And but then like they pick her out of the crowd to come up and speak, and it's still it's not even terrible, but it started to get too towards the line of like Forrest Gump stumbling into historical things. And uh, that's the only time I was kind of like, oh, okay. I hope we don't have to always have a point where Midge needs to speak in front of a crowd and like do really well, you know? Yeah, I thought she was going to bomb. I thought that was going to be the point of it, that she gets pulled up and tries to do her stand-up stuff, but it's actually clear that she doesn't know what's going on in politics and stuff, and people like think she's stupid and she realizes she's stupid and uninformed and goes to learn about that stuff as well and include more of the politics and stuff in her uh you know set i don't know but i i didn't really mind it as it was but it did like the only reason that was there seemingly was that she's going to be delayed so joel can't pick up the kid so she goes to the apartment and yeah. i i honestly didn't mind it if they just i mean they i guess they threw it in I, I, I'm interested to see if something comes of that. If we see those characters again, if we see her getting involved more in that stuff, that movement, uh, then I think it's more justified than just having it thrown in. Like, because that's the only part that feels uh, Maisel Sue of her going up and like she's of course the best like always. Because otherwise, she when she's the best, it's so justified. And here it's like, nah, she's just awesome. You know, everyone loves this girl. Yeah, agreed. And I love the oh, Maisel Sue. What a great fucking term to come up with. Because yeah. they played they played with this idea a little bit when she's in the courtroom talking to the judge because she starts parroting what the lawyer had mentioned earlier, like about Jim Crow laws and First Amendment and stuff. But it's done in a way where you kind of know she doesn't really know what she's talking about. 
So I liked that. But yeah, you're right. Like with this, it just felt too much like, I mean, given she wasn't trying to pitch herself as very informed, she was just kind of being honest, which does play into what she does when she goes up to be to do comedy. She's just kind of being honest about her life. So that does ring true. It just felt so it just felt like even just stumbling around the city, she's going to find a group that loves her. So it, it was just it pushed it a little too far. Again, yeah. it's nothing that fully detracts from me. It just started to show maybe the seams a bit. And I was just a little worried that we weren't going to have a lot of more of that. Not what you said. Like if she gets more involved in in activism, I'm fine with that. But just random occurrences of her wowing a crowd. Yeah, it's almost like that part of that was put in almost like to meet the format of every episode she has to be in front of a mic um, because that's the thing she does here, right? She doesn't have a set in this one because they're just doing research, late night research to these three different places. Um, yep. And then at the end, they eat and bond her and Susie and she finds out about Susie's crappy family and stuff and they become closer friends. So they don't have her get up on stage and, and, and do her thing. So I guess that was their way of sneaking it in. And I did describe earlier how much I love the format of her going up on mic and like processing what she's going through, uh, especially, you know, she is in, uh, has been in court and everything, and that's going to affect her, you know, point of view. But um, yeah, I guess it depends for me. I guess we'll see uh, if it pays off or if it was just there or if they put in more of them. Like I'm, I'm okay with it to this level, but if there's like three more scenes in the rest of the episodes where that happens arbitrarily, because now she's setting out to do it intentionally. So if she was there, like, can I talk? That would have been a bit different, but it's really like someone her the lady up on stage is like, you there, you seem like you have much to say. <laughs> I was like, okay. Does she know that this is the main character of her show? <laughs> uh yeah you brought up the hot dog friend scene i uh, loved it so great uh really rooting for um them to be being best friends uh i mean which they kind of are but it's you know Susie's always gonna have that pushback so it's nice to see midge kind of breaking through that tough exterior and kind of having a moment even if it's just sharing some fries or, or holding them hostage unless you get tidbits about someone's life yeah Exactly. And then she comes home late. Uh, and uh, like the culmination of all the stuff of her being back at her parents' place where her parents basically try to ground her for coming home late. And she she has this realization where she's in her home watching the show she likes through a window uh, into someone else's apartment and realizes, okay, I got to get a job. Uh, I got to do something about this. So that's where we're at in this uh, this episode. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's more details leading up to that, like her mother lying to a neighbor about Joel getting a promotion, and that's why she's there. And she's kind of like, uh, I'm not really into like pretending that this is still going on, but okay. Now, we don't know what's going to happen next. And as you said earlier, uh, usually we can't, uh, can't hold ourselves off, and we watch a lot of it, and then we bang these out in one go or something. And it's actually really nice to both be at the same point and we can speculate what's going to happen next. So what do you think is going to happen next, Jim? Huh. Well, like, as I was saying, I am hoping there's not some sort of Lenny Bruce, uh, romance. Um, I mean, the, the, the ideal scenario clearly is Midge is going to make friends with some cool, like hip people from, I guess, Greenwich village, Greenwich village always here is talked about as cool. 
So I assume that would be a cool place. And then she's going to get her own apartment. She's going to be a strong, independent, single mom. She's going to start getting regular gigs at comedy clubs. And Susie's going to pick up some more clients. And everyone's going to be happy. Yeah. I mean, she when she went to her ex's apartment, it felt even more obvious that she is the one who belongs in the place where he said he wanted to. Like, originally, when he was trying to do comedy, it was clear to us that she's the one who should be doing it. But also this thing he has of, like, no, I want to live in the cool place and hang out with these people and do this and that. And then when he's at his job, which I said in our first discussion, I said, oh, you know, he works in advertisement. And I'm like, okay, I guess that was just because of Mad Men, because it looked like the Mad Men office, because I guess it's like a plastics company or whatever, but they talk about accounts, and in my limited understanding, like, okay, they talked about that in Mad Men. But yeah, he works in plastics or whatever, and, like, his pal is like, oh yeah, you're gonna, like, go be the famous stand-up guy, right? And he's like, oh, right, that thing. Um, right. We'll see. So it's pretty clear that she's the one moving towards that. I mean, obviously from the plot, but also specifically her getting her own place, as you said, in kind of a more shitty part of town. That would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It definitely feels like it's going to play up more of that. She's going to be discovering more about, I guess, the real world, even though, you know, I mean, she's 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 got a reality of her own where everyone has to keep up appearances. Like you said, the mom's making up lies. You live in your big apartments up in these high rises, you and your privilege. But yes. she's going to be more aware of the real world and start to, you know, probably become more separate from the world she grew up in. I mean, very much like Lorelai Gilmore. Uh, but it's not like redundant to that. Like it's it's its own thing, clearly. Yes, and uh, that's going to cause interesting conflict with her parents, obviously, and also the people in her new life of her not quite fitting in and trying to find her place. And as far as relationships, my guess would be that by the end of this season, they managed to make us like Joel uh, because Joel is going to be, you know, realizing what an idiot he is. And then next season, he's going to work to get back together with Maisel. And then we're either going to be on board or we're going to be interested in Maisel's new love interest. So we get the classic triangle going on. Uh, and that, you know, that's like a shitty thing in most media. But in like an Amy Sherman Palladino show, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's get a triangle going on, you know? Absolutely. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's weird because they were almost getting me on Joel's side, like in, in uh, like episode three, because the, the I like the flashbacks they were using and, even though when he came back to ask to come back, I was like, no, no way. You better not say yes. But I was still kind of on his side. But then when she showed up and he had the apartment and he was with the, the, his secretary, I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> we get really into some shows. Uh, so this is a really good show. Everyone should watch it if they haven't. Now, if you have a different show that you would like us to do an episode about, we do this thing where if you leave an iTunes review and you tell us to uh, watch a show, we're going to do an episode on it. Might not be the longest of our episodes, but we're going to cover it one way or another. So, for example, we got this review from Croaking Gourami uh, that says, I don't have many friends that watch the shows I watch, so this podcast is great because it feels like a discussion between friends or what, uh, on whatever popular show you're into. Please do an episode on Mindhunter. So now we're going to do an episode on Mindhunter. I have been meaning to watch that, so I, I welcome this review. Thank you, sir. Yes, uh, and uh, you can do the same, everybody. Uh, we are also coming at you with more Marvelous Mrs. Maisel cast. Uh, what was it where he settled on? I don't recall. Maisel, but whatever. 
Maisel men, uh, the marvelous exactly. It's basically, Gilmore guys. <laughs> That's why it's great. Uh, yes, we oh, are man. coming at you with more of that. So please, if you have opinions, leave them in a comment or email us at shows what you know show at gmail.com to find out when we're live streaming. Uh, it, the best choice is to follow us on Twitter at shows what you know. That's you with the letter U. I know there's a character limit. Uh, that's why we did that. They fucking increased the limit of the tweets. But you still can't have the name Shows What You Know, which is our brand. So it's Shows What You Know with the letter U as you. Yes, I know it's complicated, but I think I have faith that you can figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's about it for this episode. If you want more from Jim, please do check out JimandThem.com, a very, very funny comedy podcast. Uh, yes, it is. It's my, it's my favorite podcast, except Shows What You Know. And you also can check out my stuff at awesomepedia.org uh, or at our uh, Jim and Them YouTube channel and Awesomepedia YouTube channel. Until next time, thank you for listening or watching, wherever you might be, and uh, later. Yep. See you, everybody. Thanks.